give me one shot here on a blue chip stock, believe me, Kevin, the only problem you're going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's good, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street. Your favorite draft analyst. Favorite draft analyst. The Draft Act. NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Corey Teleba. I am your host, and I'm here, as always, with my co-host, your guy, Albert. Garbage time, Gim. Albert, what's good, brother? Life is good, man. Life yeah. is freaking good. You know, it's it's good to be back. I feel like we've been recording more recently, so that's good. Life is good, and we're going to take a little little turn today and not do the normal, but that's fun. Got to mix it up sometimes. Got to keep life spicy, like all relationships. You got to keep things <laughs> spicy. That was a weird one. I apologize, Corey, but here we go. Like some, I'm ready to rock. Sometimes you're out, and, you you know, you're you're with your your person and you're just feeling it and you got to find you, you go off and you find a spot and you keep it spicy. I feel you. And like you said, that's <laughs> what we're doing today because if you're listening to this, chances are that the top 60 draft stock updates have gone up on no ceilings, which is free to subscribe to by the way. So, you know, what we do, and we keep tabs on the draft stock of prospects every week on this show, where they start at the beginning of the season, where they end up at now. But the the draft rankings on No Ceilings gives you like this big picture look because you can go through month by month and see who's rising, who's falling. And uh, this one feels like it was a big one because the last one we did was in March. So it's been a couple of months. There's a lot of new names, a lot of a lot of guys have either really risen up the boards. A lot of guys have really fallen down the boards. It's workout season. The tournament happened. Like a whole bunch of things happened. So we're here to break down some of the bigger storylines from these stock updates, which I think is going to be fun. So, I mean, let's just start it out with a bang. We have a new number one overall prospect. Jabari Smith Jr. has overtaken Chet Holmgren, who has held down the top spot the entire draft cycle. You know, we we take the consensus rankings from all of the mainstream boards, you know, Sports Illustrated, Basketball News, ESPN, The Ringer, uh, Tankathon, uh, Bleacher Report, uh, probably for no ceilings, obviously. So, you know, when you, you average out all of the mainstream boards, Jabari Smith has finally overtaken Chet Holmgren. So... Albert, I mean, is is does that make sense to you that that he's done this, or or is this like a a, a shocking development? Uh, I you know okay, so I think it makes sense, but I've been thinking about it, Corey. Even before we started recording today, I was looking at my board, and I noticed. Nah, I mean, not that I should have forgotten or anything, but um, Jabari's sitting there at two on my board, right? Okay. And I started thinking, like, am I? Am I just getting lazy? Because why is Jabari just permanently number two on my big board? And I've been thinking about a lot of different things with Jabari. Like, obviously, I like the shooting. You like the competitiveness on defense. You like the length. You like different things. But at the same time, like, I feel like, like, I think you mentioned this on the on the Locked on Knicks pod that we did. But, like, if you look at his handle, like, there's a lot that you would there's a lot more that you want from him there if he's ever going to be like a number one option number two option um but anyway okay all that to say i think chet is just more unique man he's more of a freak if we're going to use that type of terminology he brings you so much um i still have chet like kind of firmly at number one and it's not really like much of a discussion for me um which made me then think like why then do I have to have Jabari at two if it's not really a discussion? And now I'm like, not so sure if I want Jabari there at two anymore. It's kind of where my brain is going. Um, but yeah, Corey, I, I'll say this. I think it's wrong, dude. I think Chet should be number one. And I'm pretty set on that. And look, sometimes I think you have to trust your instincts. And there might be a reason that you have Jabari at number two. Because that shooting is an elite skill at 6'10". And he yeah. shot the ball at that height in a way that 
we haven't seen in a really long time, you know, and that's something that could be special. And I think maybe what that says is that people are just starting to feel a little bit more afraid of what Chet's possible bust potential looks like Mm. rather than, than buying into the upside. And Jabari just has that one skill that's safe. That's valuable. Now, again, like, you know, for me, I hate to say, you know what? Cause I really like Jabari. And when I, when I, I give you where I have him on my board, it's going to sound like I don't, but I have him at fifth on my board. Mm. And, you know, he's the number one overall consensus pick now, according to the draft uh, stock update. So obviously part of me goes, what am I missing? You know, and, and that makes you second guess yourself a little bit. It has to, right. But, you know, again, I, I, as a number one option, like if I was building out my team, I can't, I'm not starting with, Jabari, because I do have questions about the isolation scoring, you know, Jonathan Charks uh, in, in an, a ringer episode uh, laid out like how really truly bad he was around the rim, how much he struggled historically uh, for, for guys that are going to be drafted in the top five. And it was like, not even close that he was at the bottom and that's been a legit concern. Now, we talked about Jabari. We did an episode on him. There's, there could be reasons he played with uh, an interior guy like Coloco, uh, with like Kessler, who yeah. isn't sp- spacing the floor for him. Uh, he's not doing him any favors. I don't think the spacing in general outside of Jabari on that Auburn team yeah. was really very good. So that's, that's part of it, but there is an element of, of the touch, you know, and, and the lack of creativity in the handle. So I, I do struggle with it, especially, you know, it, I thought that if anybody was going to overtake him, it was going to be Paolo. That's what yeah. I think I'm most confused by because at least Paulo, you're seeing in the playoffs, like big wings are really valuable. You know, you see how many wings Phoenix has, uh, Boston and, you know, Luca, like all these guys having success in the playoffs. And you would think, okay, Paulo is a, a big wing, but he's 6'10, 250. He's the size of like a big, he's like a, he's an extra large wing. And so I, and he had a great tournament run. So I, I I'm a little confused because I thought, that Paulo was going to overtake him and, and Paulo's at number three. Yeah, that makes sense too. I, I really like your point. You know, what's funny, Corey, the way that you just described Paulo, I hadn't been thinking of him in that way at all. So that's actually really freaking interesting. Cause I've only been thinking of Paulo as like your quintessential four, like mm. big guy, throw it to him in the block, let him stuff to think of him as a wing though. I think there's, that's actually really smart. That's why we pay you the big bucks, Corey. Because oh, yeah. clearly you're you're thinking on We're another level. I, now. I... <laughs> We're cashing checks. And so shout out. Look, hit up <coughs> hit me up in the DMs on emails if you want to get in yeah. on on the advertising, because yeah. you know, Please it's time do. to cut those checks. Come on, pilot. Come on, Bic. Give us a call. But um, Corey, actually, I'm actually with you, man, because the more I think about it, the more like I kind of go back to where I was when we started this season. Because when we started the season, Paolo was my lockdown number two after mm-hmm. Jaden Hardy. Um, but like I really did love Paolo that much. And I'm now I'm like wondering why have I fallen off? And then I look at my board and like he's still number three. So maybe I'm I'm really overthinking a lot of this for sure. <laughs> but but all that to say, I still think Chet is firmly number one. Like him as a defender is fake. It's not real. I don't think it's yeah. human what he did defensively and what he's going to offer defensively. And then offensively too, he's just, he's just scratching the surface. So I'm, I, yeah, just want to follow that up and say one more time, Chet is my clear number one. Same with me. I I can't see any scenario where that changes, but you know, who knows? Like there's a, a lot of time between the draft and, and now even, even though the draft's quickly approaching, there's still a good yeah. amount of time. Uh, Keegan Murray, I think is, supplanted himself as a top five guy and this is a guy a lot of us uh were like really intrigued by coming into the year because he fit this prototypical archetype and then he started coming on really strong and we were like all right bad competition and now it's like you can't argue against him almost because the production was so high He's such a hard worker. Like he was laser focused when I went to see him live behind the bench, like just pregame warmups, like exactly what you wanted to see. Again, he fits the archetype. And, you know, I, 
obviously the age backlash is going to come come to bite him because if he's the, in the top five, that that means that one of either like Ivy or Sharp are going to fall out. Now there's a, a chance that Boncaro or Jabari or Chet falls out, but I you know I doubt that. So who do you think is going to be the odd man out if Keegan makes his way into the top five? Do you think it's it's Ivy or do you think it's it's Shaden? So I'm actually going to turn it on its head a little bit here, Corey. I I actually think it's going to be either Murray or Ivy. Mm. Now, let me explain a little bit. So I feel like every year we have the shot guy who jumps up and like we never really saw it coming. Or not that we didn't see it coming, but it was still shocking even in the moment. Like last year, Giddy going in the top 10, top 7, whatever. Yeah. That was still shocking. Even though we heard whispers, we heard rumors. We, we were in Brooklyn. To, we were in right, Brooklyn. There, was, yeah. there were gasps. Yeah, <laughs> all the all the people who like got tickets just to get tickets who didn't know anything about the draft, they're like, "What the hell is a giddy?" You know, people <laughs> were like really confused. But um, you know, like I feel like Murray could be not saying that he will be, but he could be the guy where he's getting a lot of buzz and people really like the production and stuff, but then oddly kind of falls down the draft order and like. It, what if he's like not that he's anywhere like that player but like what if he's like the paul pierce where people think he's gonna go top five top four whatever ends up going 10th or something like that i think there's a real possibility of that once again not saying that it will be but it could and then ivy could be the other one right where uh ivy is um you know he's in like a pre-draft workout and his shot isn't falling and execs are like hey the fuck is this why can't he hit a jump shot i don't like mm -hmm. this uh but then he's really really fast and then you get some 50 year old scout he walks over to the gm of the team and goes he's quick but uh not much of a jumper on that one you know so the money then, ball the, the money yeah. ball scene uh you know his girlfriend's pretty ugly so i don't know if this is a choice but you get what i'm saying like i feel like that could happen where he ends up dropping because of like stupid reasons um mm. so those are my two actual picks i conversely i could also see him going like second yeah exactly the same and because he knocks down a ton of shots in the workouts and you're like all right he, he shot at a good percentage made yeah. a lot of improvements he has that john morantness to him you know again, i think he's more zach levine than than mm. ja but um there obviously there are parallels there but so, yeah, I Shaden is going to be such an interesting case study because this is a guy who is supposed to be the number one player in his class. And obviously it doesn't mean much. It, it means something, but not everything, because there are a lot of, you know, I was going through the top 10 guys in ESPN's board the other day. And, and um, because, you know, Rucker and you and I did like the little exercise preseason where we would just watch highlights and rank them based on their, their mixtapes. And I wanted to see like where we were with that and how we did and like, Half of the guys ranked in the top 10 are not in the top 10 anymore. And some mm -hmm. of them are like potentially, I don't know, not going to get drafted. So right. like um, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Other guys in, in the top 10, is there anything else in the top 10 that kind of surprised you rankings wise? Um, I'm looking at it now. Um, are we going to regret having Benedict Matherin in our top 10 is a question that I want to ask mm. uh, to you, Corey, because you know me uh, at this point, I'm wondering if Jambari should be second on my board anymore. And the reason why is because I think Dale and Terry might end up second <laughs> on my big board by the end of it. Um, Shout out all jokes, Terry. yeah, all jokes aside, but maybe I'm not joking at all. Uh, Corey, I do want to ask you, I, I, you know, we've I I'm kind of in love with Dale and Terry, and I kind of you feel are. like he might be my favorite draft prospect from Arizona. Actually, even above Matherin, maybe. Want to pick your brain a little bit? How do you feel about Matherin as a top ten guy? Because I don't want to make the argument that he's not. This is a guy that I, I saw play live. I I watched. I've actually watched a good amount of his tape by now, and I get it. I I I look. I understood his intrigue even after last year. Like he was a guy that I had on my radar as a second round guy last year, and I was happy that he went back to school. But the more I watched, like there, I still had some question marks, you know. And so I want to kind of probe where you're at, Corey, because I know you're, you you like him. Uh, I don't I don't know if you ever said you were like in love with him, but do want to kind of gauge how you feel about Matherin at this point. 
yeah, I, I, I'm definitely not in love with him in like a, he has to be a top five pick kind of guy. I think what I like about him, cause one of the things I really struggled with when I was creating my own board was like, what do I do with him versus Johnny Davis? Because their situations like almost couldn't be more opposite, right? Like Johnny Davis was a singular player who had to almost do a little bit of everything for his team. Whereas Matherin's team was absolutely stacked. Like, you know, you mentioned Dalen Terry, who was basically a guy who wasn't even on the draft radar until the last month or so. And yeah. again, you said he he might be your favorite prospect. I, I buy into that. Had a, a a scout I was talking to, like, who said, low-key, Dalen Terry might be the best prospect on Arizona to me. And he said that to <sighs> me months ago like a couple of months ago when I was asking like what his situation was. Cause this is after the tournament where he started having a few games where we were like, all right, he might be coming out now, you know, like mm-hmm. he's gotten the shine, he's getting minutes. People are taking notice. Um, so I get it, but I love Matherin. And even though he was surrounded by so much talent, I think that's almost a tip of the cap for him because mm. he's the kind of guy that, he's going to be able to fit onto almost any roster because as a baseline, he has NBA athleticism. He's a good shooter uh, and he doesn't need the ball in his hands to shoot it. And he should be able to turn himself into a good NBA defender. Right. He, and it's not like he's a train wreck handling the rock. Like he can, he's, he's not, you know, this crazy, and one mixtape guy, but he's also not going to dribble the ball off his, off his foot. Like he's got a better handle mm-hmm. than Jafari. So right. there's something there to be unlocked, but as a baseline, his skills are so easy to translate. Whereas like Johnny Davis, and ultimately I had Matherin above Johnny, but I think they're so similar in, in the tier that I have them. But like with Johnny, I worry about what happens if he goes to a weird situation and he doesn't get put into the context that is going to allow him to thrive. Now there's, there are situations that I think would really allow him to thrive and not have all the pressure, have some spacing. And I think his shot is going to be fine. At least he'll be enough of a threat that he's going to be able to uh, have guys play up on him out on the perimeter where he can, you know, use his strength and his craftiness, but there are like, I don't want him to go to Washington and play with Beal. Like, I hate that, mm, you know, mm. like they're, they're just these weird, but, but if Matherin went to Washington, I could see him playing alongside Beal pretty easily. So that's my thing with Matherin. I was high on him coming into the year. I think a little bit higher than most people, but I feel like my Matherin love has like stayed fairly consistent to where I never got too high or too low on him. Where like some of the guys like Rucker, like, you know, and he's an Arizona guy. Like he's, he loves mm. Matherin. Like that's, a, that's yeah. one of his dudes. So yeah, I don't know if I ever got to that level with him, but like, mm-hmm. I also think he can return top five value because what if his what if he gets to the NBA more spacing, continues to work on his handle and tighten it, and he turns into like Victor Ol- uh, Oladipo, you know? Mm. So there's that path for him too, I think. Mm. You know, I think and the only other thing that stood out to me in the lottery because it's mostly the same guys was that. uh Malachi Branham finally made his way as a consensus lottery guy. Now he's, he made his way to 14. And I, I actually think when we do this update again, that he's going to be closer to the top 10 than back end of the lottery. Mm-hmm. And I also oh, he, think, mm-hmm. I think there's a conversation for is Malachi Branham a better prospect long-term in an NBA context than Matherin and Davis. I think that's a conversation. Oh yeah. It, it is <laughs> Corey. Damn. I, I did not expect you to come with this much spice today, but I appreciate it. Um, damn. Okay. Let's, can we have that conversation then? Let's, let's yeah. talk about it because, okay. So Corey, I want to kind of go back to something that you just said, because I don't think you meant it in that way, but when you said it, it made me think that because you were saying how, and I know it's a contextual, but you said you don't want to see Johnny Davis with Beal, but you could see Matherin with Beal, right? And for me, I think there's like a two-pronged reason behind that. I think the first reason is fit and context, right? But the second reason for me also is 
ultimately how you view their ceilings. Because I think we could argue that Johnny Davis has a bit of a higher ceiling because of what we know he can do with the ball in his hands and also the potential of what he can be as like a number one creator type, right? But at the same time, you also like the fit of Matherin better because of the ready-made skills that he already has. Is mm. is that fair in me kind of I breaking down fair. what you said? Yeah. I think so if we consider that and then we bring in Branham, Mm-hmm. Branham is very interesting because if anything, Corey, the way that I see Branham, I almost see him as a mix between Johnny Davis and Matherin mm-hmm. because he's kind of in between them yeah. where Branham is a guy who has real pick and roll juice as a ball handler. Like that's yeah. real. It's legitimate. Absolutely. He also has the shot making. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you feel about Branham's defense is my question. Uh, has potential. Yeah. yeah. So he's long, I don't, he's got a good frame, but I, I'm not like chalking mm-hmm. him up as one of the premier wing defenders in the class. So exactly. And so for me, when we look at Johnny Davis, I thought Johnny Davis was unbelievable on defense. 100%. Like I really loved his defense. And then Matherin, exactly like, like an absolute lunatic. Right. And then you talk about Matherin where Matherin when he's locked in he also can be an absolute menace because of what you talked about NBA athleticism he's got good size to him his hey I saw him live this dude he's brolic like Matherin's actually I was I went into Las Vegas thinking like all right let's check him out let's see how he really looks blah 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 and then I saw him live I'm like oh this fool is built like he is he's ripped up on he lives on built bars. Uh, shots to <laughs> everyone hey, else. Who... <laughs> look, we if you built bar, I'm saying you want the you want to sponsor a draft show. Holla at your boy. Uh, we'll eat them on screen while talking about uh, draft. <laughs> you already know. Um, but okay, so for me with Branham, I feel like he's kind of in between where he can be an off-ball guy, but also he has so much juice as an on-ball guy. And so if we consider that, right, Corey, where he has a little bit of both and the shot making is that ridiculous, then your premise of him being higher than those two guys actually kind of makes sense. Or not kind of makes sense, it can make a lot of sense because yeah. he becomes that much more versatile where you're not worried about him with fit as much because he can do both, both is kind of what I'm trying to get to. So I'm definitely not there yet because I'm so high on Johnny Davis. Mm-hmm. But Corey, I think it's worth having the discussion because of exactly what we're talking about. And, you know, I look at the way he scores, the way he gets his shots. I do yeah. worry a little. I know that like the percentiles are, are good. And obviously we'll dive deep into Branham at some point. I'm a worried. I'm worried a little bit about like him as an attacker mm-hmm. putting pressure on the rim. I know he's yeah. like good when he's there, but uh, I wonder, you know, is he going to be a guy that's going to be able to generate a ton of free throws at the next level? Is he willing to do that? Cause I feel like a lot of times he's settling for pull-ups and those pull-ups are good shots. Like he yeah. knocks them down at a great clip. So it's uh, when I say settle, I'm not trying to use it necessarily as a negative. Um, and I, and I look at Chris Middleton, which is a guy I, I really find, he plays a similar game to and and like the bucks are missing Middleton right now. And that's one of the things like, I I almost feel like Branham could step into a playoff game like tomorrow Mm. and kind of contribute just the way he plays. I don't think he's going to be a go-to guy or anything, but because he's so good off the catch, because he can attack closeouts when the ball swings his way. And because he can kind of run some pick and roll as both, you know, a bucket and a a playmaker, it's, it's kind of intriguing. So I, I think it's a conversation. I'm, it's about time that he's made his way as a lottery guy. Right. And uh, I had uh, dinner a couple of weeks ago with uh, his high school math teacher at St. Vincent St. Mary and said he's a good kid. So shout out to uh, Malachi Branham. Also saw somebody get stabbed right in front of me um, as I was leaving, which was absolutely, absolutely bizarre. Um, but he's, he's okay. He's alive. Thank God. And uh, you know, uh, according to Corey on hey, the island, mean, they call that mean, they call that uh, dinner and a show. Let's go, <laughs> Mean Streets in New York. Jesus Christ! Yeah, um, but the guy who's not in the lottery, and I, I get it, but I don't get it. 
because I think I have them outside my lottery, but like I even tweeted, like, how does this make sense? Ochai Agbaji's stock has literally, it is the same exact price as it was two months ago. And the only thing he's done since then was win a national championship <laughs> with like plus NBA athleticism, plus NBA <laughs> shooting, just mm-hmm. a skill set tailor made to be like a extra, like a super competent NBA wing role player. And his stock has remained the same. And I don't know. It's bizarre. Yeah. I have the perfect explanation for this, Corey. So uh, I'm in a group chat with a bunch of my buddies. Almost all of them are either single or uh, they're young married guys, right? Uh, what do you call them? Dinks, right? Double income, no kids. So they're all these types of guys, right? They have a lot of disposable cash. Uh, and they're super into like, hey, what we're talking about, right? But they're into stocks, right? So they're talking about the market. You know, the market's taking a shit right now. Like things are pretty bad, right? And they're talking about, all right, then what do we invest in? And they're talking about calls and all these different things that I know nothing about, right? And they're talking about different stocks. They're talking about like Palantir and they're talking about like um, um, crypto. They're talking about Dogecoin, Bitcoin, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then the one like rational, reasonable guy in our in our, in our our group chat, he's like, guys, like, forget all that nonsense don't don't talk to me about amc whatever you just need something that's reliable and you just need to watch the grass grow it's going to be slow it's going to be steady it's going to be reliable that's the stuff you need to put your money into and all the other guys you know they're talking nonsense nah 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 we got to go for this got to go for that and he's like dude you just, you just got to watch the grass grow right mm-hmm. in this example ochai baji he's a little bit older Right. He, he, yeah. he, he's he been around a little bit and people aren't as enticed with what he might become because he's a little bit older. So he is your watch the get grass grow stock. He has NBA translatable skills, NBA translatable, relatable frame. He won a national championship. Clearly, he's a winner. Right. Yeah. So <clears throat> I guess for some, you know, draft scouts or NBA GMs or whatever, it's like, oh, this guy is just nice and reliable and we know he's going to be good, but we want to shoot for the moon. Right. We want some we want some Doge coins, some Shiba coins, some whatever. I have no free, coin, coin, coin. I have no idea. Right. Yeah. The, people like shooting for the moon hit its swing for the fences. And I think that's the only reasonable reason for why Ochai isn't really moving aboard because of everything that you said, dude, like he should be, he's such a reliable player. Like watch him watch, go back and watch Kansas film and watch them throw lobs to this guy. What the hell was that? It's he's a freak. He's yeah. an absolute freak who and worked on his Butler shot. He, he's a freak dude. So anyway, Corey, I think that's the best explanation I can give for why his stock is where it is. And one of the reasons why I feel like we're all overthinking this is like you look at, again, look at the playoffs and or even the NBA as a whole. And you look at guys who have helped their team win a national championship over recent years, and they're all contributing in a big way. Jalen Brunson, Mikhail Bridges, um, you got Sadiq Bey. You have those are all Villanova guys. Uh, <laughs> um, no, <laughs> you got. Uh, Davion Mitchell, you know, like just guys who DeAndre Hunter, you know, all of these guys who, and granted, like those guys went fairly high. Right. But like Mikhail Bridges should have gone ahead of a few wings in his class. City Bay, he got drafted too low. Jalen Brunson got drafted too low. Um, So, but they're all contributing or look like they're on their way to being like, you know, impact role players. I feel like Ochai is the same way. So I get it. He's not the sexy pick. And I think you did a really good job breaking it down with like the stock analogies and the watching the grass grow thing, but he's going to help a team and like winning matters. And one of the things I, I wrote it down, I don't even know where to go with it, but like I wrote it down as an idea for an article is winning a skill. It's a weird question. Hmm. It's a weird question, but there are just a bunch of guys who yeah. win a lot. Chet. Chet wins a lot. Is winning a skill. You know, there are certain guys that are just in the playoffs every single year. Yeah. 
right? And then there are guys who it takes them forever to make it to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, Corey, as you're bringing this up, I think about, and I, and I feel like I use his name a lot, but I think it makes sense because this fool just plays in the playoffs every single year and he knows his job and he does it well, but think of like Jay Crowder. Mm-hmm. Like what is amazing about Jay Crowder? Nothing. Like there's nothing spectacular about Jay Crowder, but nope. the thing that does that is spectacular about him is that he, he does his job well. You know, he he understands the assignment and he gets the assignment done every single time exactly how you want it. Right. And so when I think about Ochai, like, okay, like think about like as we're recording, the Celtics and Bucks are playing right now. The Mm -hmm. Bucks, they let DiVincenzo go and they have their like main wing guys right now with Middleton out are Grayson Allen and um, and uh, freaking Pat Pat, and Pat Connaughton, King Jeffrey, right? But uh, Joffrey. But anyway, so with with Connaughton and Grayson Allen, like imagine the Bucks were like, okay, let's swap out Connaughton or Allen and have Ochai Agbaji there. Uh, I think they would sign that up, sign up for that, like right now, you know, <laughs> yeah. because Ochai is, you know, he's exactly that type of player. He's a winner, like you said. He just won a national title, but also. He's a guy that will do his job really freaking well and understand what his role is. And some people never buy into their roles, you know, but he's a guy who from day one, I think will buy into his role. So I'm with you all the way, man. It's interesting. What stood out to you most in that 15 to 20 range of, of the draft rankings? You know, so you had, so you had Ochai, then you had Ty Ty Washington, Tari Eason, Usman Jang, Kendall Brown, and Patrick Baldwin Jr. There are two guys I'd like to talk about. Uh, one of them, I'm just not there yet. So mm-hmm. you've hinted at Usman, Usman Jang a good amount. Um, I'm not going to lie on the pod. I have not done my full deep dive of Usman Jang at all. I've watched, I think his first, I've checked out like his first four games or so this season. And if I'm totally honest with you guys, it was really hard to watch, but I have to get into it, right? Everything yeah. that I've heard from you guys is later in the season. He really picks up. That's that's um, the hipster. You 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 watch the old stuff. You got to get into the new stuff sometimes. <laughs> it's the boomer. In- hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, so, okay, Corey, we did Kendall Brown so early in the season. We right? really like did. Early in the college basketball season. So now's a good time for us to come back to this and for me to ask you, where are you at with Kendall? Because every single time that we do a big board now, he just continues to plummet down my board. Um, currently Kendall Brown, um, I can't even find him. Maybe he's complete. Okay. So in my latest big board, I have met 32, which is outside Mm -hmm. of the first round. And that might be a little dramatic on my end, but I want to have this conversation because I want to hear where you're at and I want to see if it aligns with what I'm feeling, but he, I get it. Like the cutting stuff is great. The off ball movement stuff is great. The athleticism is pretty shockingly amazing, but is my thing. You know, there are some big butts there. So want to ask who doesn't love a big butt. We cannot lie. How do you feel uh, Mr. Tulliba about Brown right now? (laughs) Uh, Not as good as I feel about big butts. (laughs) (laughs) I like big butts way more. Uh, Kendall Brown's ranked 30th on the no ceilings board that's available, the latest one that we dropped. Uh, And he's 19 on the consensus rankings, which I honestly was shocked that his stock has held on as long as it has in this range. Now, he, he moved all the way up into the top five at one point, so his stock has dropped quite a bit. But he came into the year, I think, at like 29 on the ranking. So he's kind of somewhere in the middle there. We did him early and we talked about all the stuff that was really intriguing. He had 
come off like a game where he had 10 assists and, you know, you saw the athleticism. He was really efficient, but I've had him out of my first round for a while, for a while. And it's not that I don't think that he's a guy that could return like first round value. I, I absolutely do. I see the path for him. It's just, there are guys I'd much rather take a shot on. And even if they don't pan out, I'd rather, I'd rather take the chance and I'd take the swing. Like, I don't think he, this season, like he just doesn't have that, that alpha personality where he, you need to feel him on the floor and like, he's gotta be, uh, you always know he's on the floor guy because his skills are like hustle garbage man guy, like winning plays, like making winning plays. Like that's the type of player he needs. He needs to be. And there are times that he flashes those things, but I, I, it doesn't seem like it's enough. And then, you know, you start seeing workout season and he's working on like pick and roll ball handling. And I'm like, this dude's not going to be a ball hand, a pick and roll ball handler at the next level. Like I get it. Like he's an okay passer. He has pretty good vision um at, at times but like what nba team is like all right bro here's a rock we're gonna set uh, a high ball screen for you one four like hit the weak side corner off this like nobody's doing that because yeah okay he's coming off a screen i'm just gonna go under it he's not gonna shoot it yeah he's not shooting it he's not doing he's it he not. doesn't have the quick like he's athletic but he doesn't have that quick first step burst mm-hmm. so like don't i, I don't even want to see him practicing that right now. I want to see mm-hmm. him just practicing things that he's going to be able to do early on in his career. I just, part of me thinks like there's a little bit of like Josh green to him, but like Josh green was this unbelievable, like defender and co- like, he was so he good. Was. defensively. He was in so good. Yep. And, uh, but he just doesn't have like the offensive skills, even though he sh- like Josh green showed the passing at times too. And Josh green, I think he's a good player. I think that I like him. I like him. I think he's going to, he's going to continue to grow his game, but I kind of think there's like a little bit of that Josh green to his game, except I don't feel him on defense as much. And, you know, one of the things in that range, like you see, uh, you know, Tari, Ochai, Mm -hmm. Uzman, Kendall Brown, Patrick Baldwin, like that's like the wing range. Like this is where you take the shot on the wing. And I would just rather take a shot on any of those other guys personally right. Right. you know i i don't know like and again like i think he's gonna be a, a decent player he'll probably be efficient because he's gonna be you know catching lobs and running the break or whatever he's not gonna take shots that um are bad shots because he's he doesn't have that kind of trigger mentality so mm-hmm. his advance maybe his advanced stats are, are pretty good he'll have a high true shooting percentage but yeah he's i i sold my stock a, a long time ago yeah, man, I think so, Corey, I, I feel like what you were hinting at was something that I really wanted to ask next, because I'm with you, man. I think there is a stark contrast between him and even Jeremy Sohan. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, there were teammates at Baylor and the impact that you felt from Sohan, even though he also has his limitations offensively, was very different, in my opinion. I thought Sohan, you could really feel him defensively and even offensively. I thought he was a little bit more there i like that i like that sohan was not afraid and i've said this before like i thought i know that he took some ugly shots and they didn't go in but i like the balls and 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 the the kind of you know just the courage i guess to take some of those shots you know i i want that type of aggression in in terms of a wing who i think is going to play on the next level so i'm with you there i think for me the main reason why i question kendall brown is everything that i just said plus how do you play him? Like, are you hoping he's like a Grant Williams type, but like more athletic? Is that the type of role where he's like, his frame is so much like, I don't really love his frame. He's got like, he doesn't have like those big broad shoulders. His arms Mm -hmm. look, I don't think he has like T-Rex arms, but he doesn't look like he's got that crazy wingspan. He's a little stiff. I don't know. Yeah. I definitely agree with you on the shoulders for sure. So what is his role? Corey is, is my question. What do you see him as? I guess he's got to be like a a three four swing guy, but is he gonna have like at the if he's playing like you know more of like a three like he, I don't know if he has enough like shooting equity to really play there full time mm-hmm. and um, as a four like I don't think he's gonna be able to bang with like the bigger wings and and 
defend those yeah. guys. That, I mean, and look, obviously right away, nobody is, but, yeah. but uh, that's kind of where he's going to have to be. I don't know. He's got to, I, I could see the path for him being like this toolsy contributor all over the place. And, but he's got to, I think he's got to be more aggressive. It just comes down to that. I mean, yeah, I, I think right now he's more of like a junkyard dog or Jamario moon type um, yeah. for sure. But yeah, Corey, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm junkyard dog is a, you, I think I that's know. who he should be. Yeah. And it's a yeah. good call. Like that's who he should like emulate. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't think he should be this try to play with the ball in your hands guy. Cause I don't, so, I don't think he's got that. So Corey, with what you just said, this is exactly why EJ Liddell is the antithesis of that. Because EJ Liddell showed the shooting pop, because he's physical as hell and also averaged over two blocks a game, that's why he's moving into the top twenty. You know what? It, like that—that's kind of it, it's it's because EJ Liddell was like, dude, like I'm I'm that guy. You know, put the ball in my hands. I'm not afraid. I'm I, I'm gonna take threes. <laughs> I don't care what the announcers say. They don't like it at my size. I'm taking threes. <laughs> they're they're losers. They're college college basketball games. I'm I'm gonna play in the NBA one day. I'm gonna shoot threes. Yeah. Like I loved that about EJ Liddell, and that's why the trajectory of EJ Liddell, Liddell's draft stock and Kendall Brown are going the op, absolute opposite direction. So, and <laughs> I I think bringing up Liddell is an interesting point because this is like the you should always go pro argument like this is the uh, like the um the opposite side of that argument mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whereas like obviously liddell is older he's more polished he's had more time to work on his game expand his game fix his weaknesses whereas kendall brown is one of the younger players in this class and he has all of that untapped potential and if you give him the same amount of time in college maybe he gets to that level right but what if kendall brown goes to the nba He's, he's not as polished. He doesn't find ways to contribute. He's just this athletic guy. And he's just a guy who bounces around in the G league for a while while he figures it out. And he never kind quite gets the opportunity to blossom into the player that, you know, he has the potential to be. Whereas mm-hmm. if he stayed in college, built up his confidence, started seeing an expanded role year by year, and actually had the opportunity, and now he's coming into the league a little bit more ready-made to contribute in more ways than he's currently capable of. Maybe that team has a little bit more patience for him in, and has a little bit more invested in uh, developing him because he might be able to mm. contribute earlier. Corey, are we about to have the Tyrus Thomas uh, discussion? Is that what's happening here one of my, right now? This is one of my saddest draft moments, man. <laughs> it really is. Also, Tyrus Thomas might... If he was in the draft uh, nowadays, he's probably still he's probably going number one, like six, nine, uh, the most athletic dude you could think of. Ridiculously long arms, block, steal percentage, ridiculous, huge tournament. Mm -hmm. Like he's absolutely going in the same spot. But I was such a big Aldridge fan. Like I I picked Texas to win the national championship that year, which obviously didn't happen. But like Mm -hmm. I was just I was like, this dude is such a a good basketball player. And especially at that time, like his play style still fit. He had good size. Like I was like, this dude is, he's going to be the goods comes draft night. Andre Bargnani to the Raptors who has the number two pick the Chicago bulls, the Chicago bulls draft LaMarcus Aldridge. Oh, we traded LaMarcus Aldridge for the number four pick and fucking Victor Criapa. So sad. And it was one of those things where I really remember, like, I don't remember who broke it. You know, it was like mm-hmm. one of their sideline reporters, like, let's yeah. get like before it even got to the number four pick, it was like, oh, the Bulls are taking Lamarcus Aldridge, but they're trading him to the Trailblazers for the yeah. number four pick where they hope to take time. I was so mad. Corey, that draft sucked. Like, do you, like we need to we need to remind people that Sheldon Williams went fifth. And the highlight of Sheldon Williams' career was when he was married to Candace Parker. So, um, sure. rough. Rough one for that. That was a rough draft. But uh, Was that <sighs> the Brandon Roy draft, too? It was. Randy yeah. Foy, that one. Yeah. A lot of people talk. J.J. Reddick, yeah. <laughs> In that 21 <sighs> to 25 range... What stood out to you there? 
because am am I looking at the right one? Is Ryan Rollins in that range? I don't know if I'm looking. No, Ryan. Uh, so that range is Liddell, Hardy, McGowns, Wesley, and Kessler. Oh, okay, okay. I know who I want to talk about. McGowans. McGowans is a guy that I'm very late to the party on. Um, I really just absolutely one of my great joys, delights in life is giving uh, Nathan Grubler uh, at Draft Deeper as much shit as possible um, with his Blake Wesley love. But he was very early on Bryce McGowan's want to give him that credit. And I've been watching Bryce McGowan's recently and I'm like, oh, I like this guy. Um, I actually like him more than I thought I would. So, Corey, this is perfect for me. want to ask you. What are some things about McGowan's that give you some pause? Because when I was watching McGowan's, I was like, oh, I like that he can go and get it. Um, I like his length. I like how cool he makes basketball look. Because, like, that's the Shade and Sharp effect, right? Like, Shade and Sharp mm-hmm. just makes basketball look like something everyone should be doing. It, it just looks so cool. I feel like yeah. McGowan's has a little bit of that, too, to him. Like, the fluidity and stuff like that. And he has, like, really long mm-hmm. legs and stuff. But wanted to get your thoughts on McGowan's because I don't think we've ever talked about him. Yeah, shout out to Nathan. Uh, draft Deeper, killing on the charts. Shout out. Um, so, McGowan's. I really liked McGowan's beginning of the year. Somebody I was super intrigued by. First time mm. I watched him, I'm like, that's TJ Warren. Oh. I was like, this dude, he's going to get buckets in the NBA. No questions asked. He's 6'7", great frame, like big broad shoulders. Like, okay, he's a little skinny. That's fine. Um, okay, the shot isn't falling at a great clip. All right, like, are, are we done with the eye test? Because you need to take that into account a little bit. Like the yeah. dude has a fine looking stroke. There are inconsistencies, it but it's fixable. I went to see them, them live. Fred Hoiberg and the Nebraska Huskers. Fred Hoiberg. Timberwolves legend. Ex the mayor, ex Bulls coach. Uh-huh. Supposed to be the next Steve Kerr. Take the oh. Bulls to the next level after Tibbs. He was close. He was close. Nebraska got waxed by Rutgers. Mm-hmm. Waxed by like 30-something. Yikes. It was ugly. And it was a game that you saw a lot of the type of things that you would that would force you to be out on McGallans. Bad shot selection, driving into the teeth of the defense when and not even looking to pass at all. Um leading to some turnovers, like lack, lackluster effort defensively, um, just an inability to kind of like use your the threat of your scoring to take advantage, make plays, just, just really ugly, and you just cause you to go, oh, this is going to be a process. Now, the team wasn't that talented. Rutgers was a really good defensive team, and Nebraska had to play on the road, at Rutgers, which is maybe the hardest place to play in college basketball this year. The place is a nut house. Mm-hmm. But it was ugly. Now, you can't look at one game and be like, this is what a player is, because he started fixing some of the things I was worried about towards the end of the year. He started making progress. But at the end of the day, he's another one of these guys. Like, I know he's going to be a scorer. I know he's an NBA player. But what team he goes to, I feel like is going to ultimately decide what level of player he is, because, you know, I think we're starting to shift away from these players where you're like, Oh, this dude's going to be a bucket in the league. If we don't know if they could be a bucket, because if he's going to continue to be inefficient, then what else does he offer? Cause right now it's not defense right Mm -hmm. now. It's not playmaking. Right. And right now, technically, even though I buy the shot long term, it's not as a floor spacer. Right. So, yeah, he can get to the line with the ball in his hands. Yeah, he can create his own shot. But what if you go to a team with fucking Devin Booker and Chris Paul? You're not creating you're not really creating your own shot. Mm -hmm. What if you go to, you know, Brooklyn and you're playing with KD and Kyrie? You're not creating your own shot. Yeah. So what can you do? 
can you be a role player? And there are mm-hmm. going to be some teams that are looking at him potentially in that range, and they might go, should I just take Jake LaRavia here? Yeah. A guy that I know is going to defend multiple spots. He's going to make quick reads. He's going to play 0.5 basketball. And I think he's going to be able to space the floor. Mm-hmm. That's what I think mm-hmm. the conversation with teams are going to be. Now, there might be a team that swings on McGowan's early. Potentially, yeah. like if he went in the lottery, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, so maybe if he goes to a bad team that gives him reps as an on-ball guy, that that could be a good opportunity. But if he goes in like the later 20s and he's going to some of these playoff teams, I think that it could be an issue for him and he might be headed for like a lot of G league time where Mm -hmm. I don't even know how much that'll help him. Like, obviously it'll help him a little bit. He'll be playing an NBA system versus a college system, but like, is he going to be playing a role in the G league that when he gets called up, he's then going to be playing in the NBA. So that's my, those are my concerns with McGowan's, but there's no denying that he is ridiculously talented. Okay. Well then perfect. Then Corey, piggybacking off of what you just said i like how you started and you start you said tj warren because for me rather than tj warren another player comes to mind and i'm still devastated that his career didn't pan out the way that i thought it would and mm-hmm. he's a guy who won a national title at uconn he reminds me so much of jeremy lamb and and it's not just like the physique of it all but even jeremy lamb like he was a guy that coming into the league everyone thought he was going to be like a nice toolsy wing was going to be a really good shooter um all these things didn't really pan out and also like his shooting numbers in college weren't great either he was like Mm -hmm. a 30 something percent three-point shooter but everyone just assumed he was going to be a really good three-point shooter in the league because of what the form looked like right and then i think he got drafted by houston didn't work out got traded in the hardened trade ended up okc blah 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 a lot of you know a lot of different things happened right uh but my biggest thing my biggest thing is that I feel like McGowan's is like that. It's exactly what you just said. There are many theoreticals, hypotheticals about his game. Um, Until we get there and see him do it on the NBA stage, we can't actually say he's going to do these things. So I'm with you, but it's it's hard not to fall in love with him because he kind of has that Jeremy Lamb factor. I was in love with Jeremy Lamb, dude. Coming out of UConn, I was like, this guy is the next really good shooting guard in this league six five long as hell you know he was shooting it he, he I hit some big threes in the tournament all that stuff you know so i'm with you but i i'm starting to he's starting to grow on me man and i think he's definitely worth a shot back when the big east was the big east yukon <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it's just for us um jeremy lamb's a good call that's a good call. That's a, yeah, I and, it. and he's a guy who's going to continue to bounce around the league for a while until he gets too old. Um, right. But I think that that's a, like in between Jeremy Lamb and TJ Warren seems mm-hmm. like a good kind of sweet spot for T uh, for McGowan's. And honestly, like that is a, an NBA player for a long time. So exactly. If exactly. you could talk yourself into drafting in the first round, a player who's definitely going to, be an NBA player for a while. I do think that there that's a that's a good swing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, am I crazy for thinking that like the thirty to forty five range is just dumb deep right now, or are we just way more entrenched in this draft than than others? Because I feel like there's some real value in that range right now. Some names, right? You've got Trevor Keels, mm-hmm. Christian Coloco, Jake LaRavia, Christian Brown, Yam Montero, Traquavion Smith, Jalen Williams, Ishmael Kamagate, David Roddy, Justin Lewis, Josh Minot, Dalen Terry, Max Christie, Leonard Miller, Peyton Watson, J.D. Davidson. Then at 46, 47, 48, 49... Keon Ellis, Ryan Rollins, Gabriel Perchita, Alondis Williams, Jabari Walker at 50. I mean, that's those guys are probably in the first round on a lot of people's boards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Corey, do you feel like this is the draft of the rotational wing and rotational big? Like, I, I feel like this draft is filled with those guys. I I do. I think I think they're smart teams are going to really 
really value the second round. Yes. Like no yeah. trades, no cash consideration trades. I think the the talent level for basketball players coming up is so high. And maybe it's just going to be particular to this draft where you see so many of those interesting wings. And look, some of those guys might go in the first round and that's going to bump down some of the guys who are projected to go in the first round now. To And so it'll still be deep. If I was a smart team that had cap constraints and was, you know, uh, a contending team, I would be looking for the guy in the second round who is a, a big wing who could dribble pass, shoot, defend, and maybe isn't going to be a superstar necessarily, but maybe can give you rotational minutes throughout the season and, and maybe even hopefully in the playoffs at some point. That's, yeah. that's what I'd be searching for. I think there are guys in that, like, are you Jalen Williams? Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Like that dude is fucking filthy. Like mm-hmm. you guys know how I feel about Ryan Rollins. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you talked about Dale and Terry. I, I just, uh, there's so much Christian Brown. Like, I mean, that's a dude who you could see playing for a long time. There's just so many examples, man. Corey, there's a guy that by the time this pod comes out, uh, my article will be out there, but guy you didn't mention that I think fits the exact profile that might be there in the second round, Wendell Moore Jr. I feel like Wendell Moore Jr. is going to be great value to a playoff team. Like, There's nothing spectacular about Wendell Moore Jr.'s game. The thing that's spectacular about Wendell Moore Jr. is he does a lot of things well. He doesn't do any of it elite, and I wrote about it in my article. A lot of times there's kind of like a negative connotation when you call someone like a jack-of-all-trades, but a master of none. But in this case, when we're talking about in the second round, you might be able to grab a rotational wing who could either start or come off the bench for you and dribble, pass, and shoot in a guy like Wendell Moore Jr., that is insane value. So, yeah. and, and it's not just Wendell Moore. It's all the names that you, you mentioned before. There are all kinds of guys that are just going to be sitting there. And, you know, even our boy, Hyun Jung Lee, like we, we yes. did a whole pod on him. Like he's mm-hmm. going to be there even late second round. He might go undrafted. You know, yeah. a lot of people love that dude from Michigan State, Gabe Brown. Right. People love him for his defense and what he might be, blah, blah, blah. Like there are a lot Vince of Williams. guys. Fence Williams, my boy, if Strother stays in the in the yes. draft, Strother's another option. You mentioned Keon Ellis. Like the list goes on and on. And so Kevin McCuller. I know some people may characterize this as a weaker draft. I think it's an insane like the you might find building blocks to a title winning team in the second round in this draft. Like you might actually find a fifth starter at pick 59. And like that'll be awesome. So it's a very interesting draft, man. And at the same time, Corey, I like what you said at the beginning. There could be a little bit of like a Stockholm syndrome type of thing going on. Like we're so entrenched in the draft right <laughs> now that like everyone just starts looking good. But no, I'm I'm with you. There's a lot of depth here. All right. Let's close it out on on this. And and shout out to everybody watching live on YouTube. Uh, we hit a thousand uh, subscribers on the No Ceilings YouTube channel. Again, time to cut those checks, boys. Let's go. So uh, appreciate the love and support from everybody and, and all the congratulations in the chat. Who are your three favorite swings in that second round? Mm. Okay. So I don't know if we mentioned him yet, but one of them is uh, Musa Diabate from Michigan. Okay. Yep. Uh, I think that guy is wow. You talk about a competitor and then his frame and the way that he moves like that's so enticing to me. I really, really like him a lot. Shouts to Tyler Metcalf. Uh, I know he loves the Abate as a Michigan guy. Uh, two more for me. And I know one of them that is near and dear to your heart. You mentioned him already. Jake LaRavia. I think LaRavia is, I don't know, man. He is something else. He's a very, very interesting player. Um, he has, like, I know because he's white and 6'10", everyone's like, oh, he, does he play like a Euro? And, like, in my head, it's like, yeah, he kind of does. Like, he does so many things well, and he can dribble, dribble pass and shoot and make, like, really quick decisions, like you mentioned. I like him a lot. Is he 6'10"? Am I right? 6'8". 6'8". He looks 6'10", yeah. though. I don't know if it's the hair and the headband combo or what it is, but he looks <laughs> bigger than 6'8". So I like him a lot. Gun to my head if I had to pick one more in that range. I mean, pick your boy. 
Yeah. Dale and Terry, come on. But he, for me, he's like, you know, top three right now. But okay, I know, let's, but let's, we're doing let's... the stock <laughs> rankings. It's not the Albert Kim I know, rankings. I know, it's I know. the draft stock update rankings. And Terry's, he, he's Take at a swing. 41. He's at 41. Yeah. Take a swing at Dale and Terry because Dale and Terry for me is so freaking good. Like, I'm for our listeners out there, you guys might think I'm crazy. You might think this is hyperbole that I'm overreacting. Like, I have guys that I just fall in love with, and 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 I feel pretty good about falling in love with Dale and Terry. Like a couple years back, I tweeted it out. I said it to a lot of people. I said it to Corey. I was like, look, Tyrese Maxey should be going top ten, no question. And Corey was with me. We all agreed. It was like, dude, this this has to happen. He went where he went. I think he went 20th, 21st, whatever. And I was like, like that. that's wrong. It, that's yeah. that's incorrect. He should not have gone that late. And Terry is a guy that I'm convinced is going to be an excellent NBA player. Dale and Terry is a guy. You talk about passing. You talk about energy. You talk about ownership. Like, I don't know if we use that term enough in basketball. Dale and Terry treats his teammates and his team like they're his own. Like he really cares about the product on the floor. He really cares about his teammate. I saw a teammates. I saw him play live and I was like, this guy is something else. It, it's, it's, it's palpable how much he cares and the energy that he brings to the floor and to the arena. Uh, he competes defensively. He's so long. He can dribble. His jump shot is developing. The passing is unreal. So Dale and Terry's my guy has to be Dale and Terry. Yeah. He's on my list. Um, Ryan Rollins. I, I love that dude's game. So smooth. I love bucket getters. And <clears throat> I don't know. He just reminds me of, you know, your Brandon Ingram, Devin mm. Booker, CJ McCollum type type guys. And then Peyton Watson, if he's still there, I think a team's going to swing on Peyton Watson, but I'm not ready to, I, I think he's a, just such an awesome upside swing. And I know that the, the numbers weren't eye popping this year. I know that they don't look great when you're just looking at the box score they're low he didn't get a ton of minutes but i felt like the minutes that he got unlike kendall brown at least i I think you felt him out there like he wanted you to feel him out there and i love how he moves uh i think the jumper is gonna come around like it's not busted at all i don't think it's like a strength but I, i i'm not deterred by the jumper long term he can do more with the ball in his hands that he got to show on a veteran UCLA team that was trying to win a national championship. And it might be a process. He might spend some time in the G league, but like talk about big wings and, you know, uh, look, I don't know if we'll, we'll do a full episode on Peyton Watson. I don't know if he played enough games that we could (laughs) really break his game down as intensely as we usually do. But like, I look at a guy like, you know, the way that the bulls used uh, Derek Jones jr. A lot this year, I'm like Peyton Watson could play that role. And he's time. bigger and I like he's a bigger dude than a guy like uh Derek Jones Jr. So like I don't know, he's just that swing three four guy that I think is gonna be able to guard like at least one through four. And when he gets his grown man strength, like maybe even switch on to some smaller fives at times. But I just love the fluidity, I love the raw skills, and he's a guy that I in the second round, like I would be even like for the Bulls, the Bulls have I think the 18th pick. Like if they were like we're gonna take Peyton Watson, I'd be like, okay. Let's do it. Like, I get it. Going to be a process. Maybe you could get a guy who can contribute more to a team trying to win now. But like, I love the upside. I won't be upset by that. So I, Peyton Watson, definitely uh, a guy for me in that range. Yeah. Corey, really quickly before we go, really, really quickly, I want to ask you this one last guy, because I don't think we've ever even mentioned his name for whatever reason. I'm not a big David Roddy guy. (laughs) <laughs> How do you feel about David Roddy? Because I feel like I'm kind of in the minority. I'm not in love. I'm going to be completely honest. Like, I legitimately don't know how to feel about him. <clears throat> like, I just I just don't know. I, I think he's super skilled. Um, and I think offensively, his skill set, like, he's very versatile. And there's mm-hmm. definitely, like, a lot of fun things at the NBA level that you could do with him. Mm-hmm. But defensively, I worry because I, mm-hmm. you know, I like if he was like this kind of PJ Tucker kind of defender, right. like that, obviously you could see how that translates. But I'm a little worried about who he's going to guard. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot to like offensively. There is. There's a lot to like. 
I just don't know how to feel because I, I, who looks like him in the NBA? Like, there's nobody to look at and be like, I can see him being like this guy. So, Corey, I thought if Dewan Blair was born 10 years later, he would be David Ryan. Had knees <laughs> that had ACLs. <laughs> We shouldn't laugh. It's a medical thing for him, but dear God, like if Dewan Blair is doing fine. Yeah. If Dewan Blair had a little like offensively more versatile, more gifted Dewan Blair was how I viewed David Roddy. And I was like, that's okay. Cool. I'm I'm all right with that. Not amazed by it, but fine. It's kind of how I feel. So, yeah, I honestly, he's a guy I think we got, we'll cover soon because it's, he's you have to talk a guy like him out for like an hour yeah you know i and i just don't know i like the shot i like the passing i like his spin like how quick he is like he's Mm -hmm, so quick mm -hmm. and light on his feet and agile but i just don't know so we got to talk it out over over an hour for sure albert tell the uh the people where they can find you and uh your article that will be out by the time this drops or at least same day uh, you can find me at Alberto Gim on Twitter. I, I'm dropping an article on Wendell Moore Jr. from North Carolina. The premise of the piece is like he's good at a lot of different things, not great at anything. From and from Duke, sorry, what did I say? This, what did I say? North Carolina. Oh dear God, I he played in North wow. Carolina, so like um, location, right? from Durham, right? Um, but um, what I meant to say was I kind of view him as a floor raiser. So that's the whole premise of my article that he's not a star. He's not simply a role player. I see him as a floor raiser. So anyway, that's where you'll find that at no ceilings, uh, NBA.com. Uh, you find me here on this pod and on our YouTube channel with our stuff. And yeah, that's pretty much it. And you can find me at Corey Tulliba on Twitter NBA draft dude on YouTube. Uh, shout out no ceilings TV on YouTube. Like, and subscribe to the podcast. Um, leave a, a review. If you're, so inclined to do so and uh, make sure you head to no ceilings, We got the, the stock update. You got Albert's piece on Wendell Moore jr. We just released our big board. Uh, we got so many good pieces that have come out over the last month. We have so many good things coming out over the, the next month. I'm going to be doing a, a profile with Ryan Rollins. I got to sit down with him for a little bit and chop it up. Um, so I'm excited to put that together next week. So a lot of good stuff subscribe it's free you'll get it delivered directly to your inbox monday through friday and sometimes sunday so uh yeah that's what we got make sure you get it draft season is upon us uh we're getting closer and closer as the playoffs get closer and closer to the championship the draft lottery is coming up in in a week uh we're gonna do some fun stuff at no ceiling so make sure you're locked in to all of uh the no ceilings socials so you find that information until next time we out Peace.